We are delighted to partner with Jane Plan, the UK's leading weight management system for this season. Use unique code TWC50 for an incredible £50 off at www.janeplan.com. And I think sometimes as a journalist, if you actually speak from the heart and you tell a real life story that affects you, I think it makes the reader be able to relate to you as well because you're talking about something so personal and so tragic, I think it makes it really meaningful. Hello and welcome to Two Women Chatting. I'm Michelle. And I'm Liz. And this, drum roll. Oh, I'm impressed. Is our 50th episode. <laughs> Woohoo! I know. They said it wouldn't last. <laughs> it almost it didn't. <laughs> Oh, you're not trying to tell me something. Oh, we've had some episodes over the last year and a half, literally. We We have, we have. But it took us back a little bit when we were talking about doing this episode. What we did when we turned 50 years old, more recently than Liz. Just just rub it in. I think mine's closer to 60 now. Well, it is, but that's good. I I mean... I'm still here, still alive. Well, right. I mean, it sounds, sounds kind of trite, doesn't it? But age is a gift and, you know, every day that we do get is... Is a wonderful thing that we get to to do things like this, like the podcast, reinvent ourselves in our lives over 50. Yeah, yeah definitely. It's been a lot of fun. What did you do? When, can you remember? No. <laughs> Have you made notes? What did you do when you turned 50? I literally cannot remember. I probably had a drink somewhere along. You don't remember I like a big dinner? No, or we didn't a party. do a big party. No, cause I do love a party, but we, I didn't have a fifty. I didn't think I really wanted to dwell on it. I know it's funny. I remember the date approaching, and I couldn't quite decide whether to be like really excited about it or whether I was feeling a bit. Oh, this really is. You didn't know. you go in your gap year or something when you were fifty? <laughs> <laughs> I I did. I kind of took a gap year because. Um, I'd moved back from Singapore and I wasn't working full time and had a bit of money saved. And instead of just doing one big thing, I wanted to learn stuff. I wanted to, you know, try some stuff out. So I went to Prulith's Cookery School. Um, So I did a lot of bits and pieces there, lots of different courses. Learn anything? I did. No, and I still use it and I love it. I did... um, I did a couple of certificates in wine. Oh, that's good that I've done some of those. Yeah, yeah. and, you know, the basic stuff uh, about how wine is made and how to tell one grape for another. You know, I think I've finally worked out red from (laughs) wine. A bit of rosé in between. (laughs) Yes. But, yeah, no, they're good. Those courses are really good. You learn a lot and... uh, yeah, I, I enjoyed mine. I did mine as an evening course. Yeah, it's a great thing to do if you're into wine. Um, I did actually loads of things. I did a Covent Garden Flower Academy. I loved oh, that cool. week's course there. Every day I would turn up and learn how to tie bouquets and make corsages and what are those things that you wear in festivals? Those little t- tiara like f- flower flower, flower like crowns, daisies, like crowns, whatever. Yeah, so I did all of those things and I really tried to work on myself a bit health wise. And I think I just liked doing. I did have a party. Actually, I I had a party and it was it was dress up, the fancy dress or whatever you want to call it. And my my thing didn't arrive. My outfit. Um, my, yeah, that's it. Your my thing. outfit. My outfit didn't arrive. So I had to do some quick running around in my wardrobe. So I ended up just finding um, you know some fake pearls and a black dress and I went as Audrey Hepburn. And a long cigarette sort of holder. Yeah, I had all that. And was that Mar- Margaret? That was all I could yeah. get on Amazon mm. in 24 hours. Oh, God. But actually, I thought it was going to be horrible turning 50, 
but it wasn't, didn't mind, didn't care. In fact, it gave me permission to do all sorts of things like say no, lose my filters. <laughs> do you know, I think that's one thing I do remember about it. You suddenly, you, you suddenly do go, I really don't care and I'll say what I like within reason. Mm. We turn into think... our mothers, don't we? What, what day do you what? turn into your mother? Or oh, my grandmother, actually, I've turned into. I went to Hampton Court Fire Show back in the summer and I actually had one of those little bags that you, you know, you fold up in my handbag and I had one of those little rain hats. Oh, you didn't have a rain which hat. Which you tie underneath. Do they even, I didn't even know they still they, Well, I'm, I, don't, I had a few of those, but what's great is everyone was really impressed. What, that you had them? Because it was raining so much and I actually had one of those, you know. And you were able to go and look yeah. around the gladioli in your lovely little plastic hoodie. I thought it was more like a plastic bag. <laughs> but don't you remember those? But I, I turned into my grandmother, I think, you know, a few years ago. Not my mother. My mother's a bit more sophisticated. Oh, really? <laughs> Obviously, that jeans missed out on me. Well, I've only been in my 50s for four years, but I love it. I think 40 was harder, actually. Yeah. I I think 40 as a milestone, that really feels a little bit like a tipping point between youth and midlife. Whereas 50, maybe 50 is the new 40. I don't know what it is. But 50 50 seems more of a, yes, let's embrace this. And you've only got to look at all the pro-aging campaigns and the pro-aging, anti-aging Aging is aging. Be aging, yeah. (laughs) All of those campaigns, it's all about celebrating the older woman. Yes, go us. Yeah, I think it's just celebrating yourself. Mm. We've got a guest coming on today. Glad to hear that. (laughs) I know, save us wittering on for the next half hour. Um, We've got Suzanne Baum, who is a celebrity journalist, and it's her 50th birthday this year. So we wanted to ask her some of the things that she was planning, because it's very in at the moment, isn't it, to do 50 at 50? Yeah. Yeah. So 50 things that you want to do to achieve in your 50th year, I think it's quite fun. And, you know, it doesn't have to be something like climb Mount Everest or uh, lose 10 stone. It doesn't have to be any of those things. It can just be, do you know what, for me, I should have done, learn how, well, I still could, is learn how to open the champagne bottle. I've never oh, done that do you know, I did. I, I learned that quite recently because I, I years ago... I um, nearly took my thumb off. I think I've said this before on the podcast because it's stuck in my mind. You know, and it just sipped off and nearly took my thumb. So I learned that you just twist very carefully with a tea towel or something, gently, Mm -hmm. and it works. Or do you want to do it with a knife or a sabre, what they call it, just one of those ones? Yeah, I won't be doing that. No, I fancy trying that. (laughs) You can get me, catch me on a wheel or whatever you call it, Instagram. (laughs) But we've got Suzanne coming on in a minute and she is, God, does she get the interviews? Amazing. She has a phenomenal roster of interviews that she has done. And we're hoping that maybe she'll drop a little celebrity goss with us. We live in hope. We live in hope. Here comes Suzanne. Freelance journalist and lifestyle editor Suzanne interviews some of the biggest names in television. She's also become a campaigner over a number of issues and reported with integrity on Nicola Bully's disappearance. It's a milestone year for her, so we thought we'd chat about some of her 50 at 50 plans and spill the tea on her celebrity interviews. Welcome, Suzanne. Thank you very much. That's a lovely introduction and so true. Yeah. Oh, you just, you get the best people. I can't believe your Instagram sometimes. Oh. So, I mean, I've got a list of them here. This is probably just in the last week. David Beckham, <laughs> Joe Wicks, Tom Daly... Uh, Louise Redknapp, 
Kirsty Gallagher, uh, Lisa Snow. Honestly, mm. there's like 30 names here. How did you yeah. get this job? Everyone would ask me that. I think actually I've fallen into it. And I think um, it's just been a really nice niche thing that I've done. And I think because I don't really have a filter um, in terms of like, I'm not always nice, but because I think I really don't have a filter, there's nothing fake or, you know, dishonest about me that I think building up relationships with celebrities that obviously themselves come with a huge team of agents, PRs, management, you know, they don't just come by themselves. And I think because their their support team, trust me, mm-hmm. um, it's a time where, you know, trust in the media is just zero pretty much. I think that's really helped. And that's always been on my side in some way. So, you know, you do one interview you know, I've never misquoted anyone. I've never sensationalised anything. I basically just say what I'm told. Um, and, you know, a lot of places always want to veto questions. But with me, even if they ask me the questions, I'm never going to ask anything dodgy because, A, I'm not interested in doing that. And, B, you know, even if I did, the celebrity's not going to answer a dodgy question. And, C, the people I write for... You know, if they wanted to run a sensationalised headline, I wouldn't be writing for them. So that's really how it's happened. And talking of which, you have come out on social media and really spoken up about some of that um, disingenuous, scandalised misreporting. And I've got to say, hands down, brilliant uh, reporting on a lot of the issues that you've done recently. Um, Thank you. I know that you've got an incredible amount of support for covering the NHS, the doctor's strikes, suicide, because yeah. I know that's a very personal uh, topic to you. Yeah. Um, Nicola, a heartbreaking, heartbreaking story. Ukrainian yeah. refugees. You, you know, you're not yeah. you're not afraid to get into the, the, the obviously, the less celeb side of journalism and, you yeah. know, report truthfully about what's happening. I, I admire that about you. Yeah. Oh, thank you. That's really kind. I think I, I think when you first start out as a journalist, I mean, I presume it's the same now, you sort of tread the water in all sorts of areas of journalism. And I think news reporting is at the core of journalism. And, 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 and you know, yes, it sounds great. Oh, I'm a celebrity interviewer. It's all glitz and glamour. It's not. Um, and I think I actually get more out of doing real news, breaking news, hard news, because it's not just topical subjects, but it's sensitive, it's sad, it's it involves honest reporting. And I think also as an interviewer, I can put my skills as an interviewer into those stories. You know, like you say, I managed to speak to Ukrainians that were hiding underground. I managed to speak to a rabbi that was sheltering his community um, in the Ukraine. And the same with the Nicola Bully story. You know, I managed to build up a relationship with people that trusted me as opposed to any other journalist and, you know, speak from the heart about how they saw the situation, not make up any, you know, rubbish about Nicola that was totally incorrect. I was hearing it from the heart of her loved ones. And you also touched upon suicide. You know, yeah, it's horrific. It's mental health is horrific and I think sometimes as a journalist 
if you actually speak from the heart and you tell a real life story that affects you, as in my case, losing one of my best friends to suicide, I think it makes the reader be able to relate to you as well because you're talking about something so personal and so tragic. And I know you guys know this about me, but writing is my therapy and my passion and being able to write about something that's, you know, touched my heart, I think makes it really meaningful. Mm-hmm. It's great that you use your platform in such a way. And also very brave of you to step away from the newspapers that you don't think are, are doing people justice in the way that they present stories. You know, it takes... Well, I think that's another thing that, as you said at my introduction, the turning 50, not that I'm not ballsy, but I think you've really got to stand your ground. You know, yes, the son pay me amazing money. Yes, the male pays, you know, they pay probably the best money ever. But it got to a point where I thought, I don't want to associate my name with certain newspaper, you know, newspaper outlets. I don't want to, I don't need my byline in places that actually don't report correctly, don't report accurately. It's, it's bad. It gets, it's bad on my reputation, Mm. which actually is a very good reputation. And it kind of was starting to make me feel a bit nauseous at the thought, yeah, I've got an amazing article. Yeah, I'm getting paid really well, but I'm not happy about it and I don't need that. Do you think you got respect from fellow journalists when you took that move? Because you were very vocal about it. Absolutely. So much support. I mean, look, I've got a teeny tiny weenie platform. I'm, you know, I'm nobody. Yes, I have a blue tick for some reason. But, um, you know, I think as a journalist, when something happens in the media industry that irritates me, I am going to speak out. Mm. And do you think that is a lot, to, as you said, to do with 50? I love, you You referred right at the beginning there that you've lost your filters. You have no filter. You ask what you want. You do what you want. And I think that's such an exciting part of being a woman in midlife that we we do have that sort of bravery and we can speak out perhaps more than we did when we were younger. Yeah, absolutely. And I actually think I have nothing to prove. I mean, I've worked, I'm not saying I've worked so hard, but I feel I've worked my arse off, basically, you know, all my career to get to where I am. And I think it's all based on being an honest journalist. And I think when things are done badly, especially in the media industry, especially when a lot of it is clickbait, you know, and young people are coming to me saying, can I give them advice about a career in journalism? Can they work shadow me? You know, which of course they can. Can um, can I help them? I feel now as much as making out, yeah, you know, really positive things, they've got to realise what they're going in for. And it's quite shoddy, some of the media out there. And, and it's sad and disappointing. And, you know, and people, they have thousands, millions of people that read papers and just believe what's believe what they read. If, like me, you're looking to lose weight, then take a look at Jane Plan. Jane Plan is the UK's leading weight management system that creates deliciously healthy meals and delivers them direct to your door. Together with their nutritionist support, you'll lose weight, feel healthier, happier and more in control for good. Created by nutritionist Jane Michelle, Jane Plan is the easy and healthy way to lose weight. All your breakfasts, lunch, dinners and snacks are designed by their nutritionists. They're pre-prepared, perfectly portioned and nutritious. Jane Plan takes the worry away when it comes to managing your weight. 
There's no calorie counting, no weighing, no complicated recipes to follow, and virtually no shopping either. In fact, all you need to do is heat and eat. And with personalised support from their qualified nutritionists, you'll join over 100,000 Jane planners who have lost weight and kept it off. So if you think you just can't lose weight, then think again. Join me and go to janeplan.com, quote TWC50 for your exclusive £50 discount. That's www.janeplan.com and follow my progress on Instagram. Let's do this together. So what would you be sort of top tip for a young person trying to get into journalism now? Because it has changed so much. Well, I always say this, and I have to be honest, don't go in it for the money, because, you know, even at editor level, the the money's bad. Um, well, actually, maybe not at editor level, but, you know, I don't want to be an editor. I've been offered editorship, of, you know, over the years. I've been an editor. But being an editor, you don't write. It's all managerial side. So I think if you, you know, I've always wanted to write. So don't go in it for the money. It's a lovely job. You know, it gets you get to be creative, you get to do fun things. I think a lot of it now, a lot of it is digital, a lot of it is online. So you've really got to sort of understand SEO, which I was never trained in. And I sort of, you know, I've learned it on the job. It's not something I was trained in. Um, so you've got to really understand SEO. You've got to really understand how online journalism works. Um, and yeah, that, and you know, people always said to me, read, read, read. I don't think you have to read. I don't think you have to be a bookworm to be a journalist. I am a bookworm. I always was a bookworm, but I don't think you, you know, you, you need to be. I guess the research in, you had to, before the internet, I'll show my age, <laughs> you had to research everything. Was now, um, you know, you had to read the books. Was now you can just um, Google the information, I guess, as well, which makes it a bit easier for, for younger journalists. Yeah. And I think research is a massive part of the job. I can't write, you know, people think, Oh, you know, five minutes me interviewing someone like, I don't know, like a Liverpool footballer last week. No, it involves so much research. Mm. research. You know, I'd be, if I'm doing the interview one day, I'd be doing a lot of research in the run up to it because you have to know your subject. That's the most important thing. Know your subject, understand your topic, um, you know, know the backstory. I think a backstory always helps because if, for example, I am interviewing a celebrity and, you know, say mental health is topical, um, any awareness things are topical. If, you know, if they've had that, you know, if they've had, say, an allergy or they've had, you know, they've grown up or they've had their own mental health issues, you've got to know that to be able to bring that into the story as well to make it topical. Mm, mm. Yeah, research is everything. Mm. Right, well, in my research, yeah. and actually it was quite easy because I knew you were going to be away, but you turned 50 this year and I was really, Yay. I was really interested to know about your fifty at fifty plans. You've got like a list, haven't you, that you want to achieve? Are you willing well, to share any of them, any clean ones? <laughs> oh my god, they're all clean. I kind of had a list. I think I'm quite a fearful person in terms of, you know, I've always had a fear of heights. I've always had a fear of lifts. I'm very claustrophobic. I hate heights. Um, I'm a bit of a scaredy cat, but I kind of thought, you know, what's the worst that can happen? I'm married to somebody that's the complete opposite, that sort of takes life by by the horns. And I just thought, you know, climb to the highest tower, which was the biggest um, a skyscraper in New York. What's the worst that can happen? A lot of it, I think, with me is mind over matter. It's like, you know, if my son had a big operation at Christmas and he was so worried about it and I kept saying you know, 
stop worrying about it and just, you know, think what you're about to have it. So that whole worrying process is sort of, you know, will go out the window and you'll just go through the motions. And I think that's what I've learned to kind of more mind over a matter. What's the worst that can happen? I'll, you know, I'm not going to fall off the top floor. I might faint, but, you know, and I did it. And I think, I think it's just facing, for me, facing fears is my biggest thing at 50. Did it help? Did it help going up the tall tower? Or were you scared? Yeah, and actually made me think, was I really scared of, uh, uh, was I really scared of heights? Or was it sort of something I'd built up in my head? You know, I don't like flying. I'm always that person that thinks there's going to be a terrorist attack. You know, I hate the tube. But I think it's honestly, not that I've used any mindfulness apps, but and I'm not into meditation or anything, but I do think, I've learned to learn mind over matter and not always think the worst case scenario. Right. Let's spill some tea. Right. Not literally. Well, that's the that's what the young'uns call it, spilling the tea. It's very Love Island, isn't the it? Young'uns. Lemons? Young'uns, did you say? Young'uns. Young'uns. Say lemons. Young'uns. <laughs> All right. So um, can I ask a few of these then? Um who has been your favourite subject interviewee and why? And that's from Sarah from Cardiff. My favourite celebrity. Um, sorry, I might have to think about this for a second. Um, look, I, this is a bit... This is, I always say Peter Andre, and I'll tell you why. I've actually never had anybody be rude to me. Or, never, actually. Maybe once, and I won't name who they were, even though we're spilling the tea. Peter Andre is, like, the nicest guy to interview. He is just... Like, I really like people that are, you know, famous, but actually give, don't care who you are. You know, normally celebrities are surrounded by this whole, you know, management team. And he'll stop, he'll have selfies with people, he'll he'll chat. You know, he's just a really nice guy. I really like celebrities that are grounded. Um, who else? I mean, most. I love Laura Whitmore. She's just so sweet. Um, I love people. I, I'll tell you who my favourite is. I love Amanda Holden. Really? Yeah, I'll tell you why. I think she is just a hoot. She gives, well, maybe when I'm interviewing her, I don't know if she's like this with everyone, but she just is willing to give her time. Mm-hmm. And she basically just speaks her mind. I like people that don't sort of, um, you know, stick to a certain interview agenda. You know, like the footballer I interviewed last week, he had set answers because obviously, you know, he's all my questions are screened. He then has this whole management. There's set questions you can ask, set questions he can answer. When I interview Amanda, I'm not given any, you know, there's no structure, there's no set questions. She just speaks her mind, which is really nice. And it helps me in my job because it makes me you know, makes my interview flow better. Mm. So I'd say Amanda and I'd say Peter Andre. So she lives up to her Instagram name, which is No Holden Back, isn't it? Good for her. Yeah, exactly. I've always wondered what she was like, actually. She seems like she'd be really fun to be with. Great dinner party guest. Yeah, and I always... Absolutely. And I always ask, you know, some celebrities, what, how do they cope, for example, with their Instagram followers and these massive platforms of millions of people? And... They, you know, Amanda's like looks at me as if to say she doesn't understand why she's got so many followers. You know, they kind of don't take it for granted, I think. So nothing to do with her being in a hot tub in a bikini then? <laughs> nothing at all? <laughs> well, she's just got an amazing figure. If yeah, I was just jealous. Like that, a hot tub. <laughs> she looks amazing in every picture. Yeah. She does. Oh, so another question? Yeah. Oh, Sam. 
What's the most embarrassing moment you've had when interviewing someone? And that's from in Leeds. It is. Oh, I've had an embarrassing moment. The worst moment for me, which was not only embarrassing but was recorded, was I was at the Pride of Britain Awards doing the red carpet, I think two years ago, and I had time with, um, oh, my God, I've forgotten his name, Danny Dyer. Danny Dyer. And as I was interviewing him, I got pulled away by his by someone on the red carpet who thought I was not not didn't have a set interview spot when I did and I got pulled away and they just thought I was someone that was going up to ask for him and for his autograph pulled off the red carpet by someone um, and that got videos actually so that was very embarrassing that is you can amazing. actually see them you, you can actually see them I had a I'd rented a dress for the occasion you can actually see them take my dress and yank me off the red carpet but that's just not on, is it? There's different ways of wow. better ways of moving someone. Well, I think they thought that I was. I think they thought that I was maybe a stalker or something. I don't know. <laughs> oh my gosh! Um, how a about good this question? One? Because that's my answer. Yeah. That's perfect. Okay, this one's from Sally in Chelmsford, and she said, um, "Has brain fog ever affected you in an interview? Like, have you forgotten somebody's name or a detail about them?" Um, not really, because thank God I don't have brain fog yet. I think, no, not really. I've, I, I think I've been pretty much on the ball. I think what trips me up is the pronunciation of names. So Virgil van Dyke, who I was interviewing last week, he's a, a very famous Liverpool player with 40 million followers. I kept thinking, oh, my God, I'm so going to just say, I'm going to say his name wrong. That was what was worrying me, but I was fine. Yeah, who's actually the most like a diva? I have to be honest. As I said, everybody, I've been lucky. I, I've had, I, I don't think I've ever had a diva. I don't think they, I don't think I've had anyone. That's Sorry, good. that's really boring. No. I mean, Charlotte Til. I'll tell you what, once I did a double interview with Charlotte Tilbury and Joan Collins at the same time, I wouldn't say they're divas, but Joan, no, they weren't divas. I think... I thought they were going to be divas because, you know, it was a very strange mix, Charlotte Tilbury and Joan Collins. Mm. And I thought someone's going to be a diva in this, in this, you know, twosome I was interviewing, but they weren't. So maybe that's as close to me as thinking I was going to get divas, but no. Well, I think we've always sort of punched above our weight in terms of the celebrities that we get on this podcast. And we, I can honestly say everybody has been so amazing. Lovely. So lovely. Yeah. Surprisingly, because yeah. we were quaking in our boots when we first started interviewing people. <laughs> yeah, but back, no, but back to the days of Jenny Seagrove and just like everyone is so accommodating yeah. and so lovely. Has anybody that you've interviewed ever inspired or motivated you in any way to change your life or to try new things? It, this was last week as well or the week before. I did it. I, I met Tuka Suleiman, one of the Dragon's Dens, and took a I, I mean, he's all, I mean, he's brilliant anyway at what he does, but, and also as a dragon, you kind of think he was a bit scary, whatever. He does these inspirational quotes on, on Instagram, actually, and on his social media, as does DJ Fat Tony, who I did a job with last week as well. And I think the way they promote how to think positively, and I really like that. So I'd say the Dragon took her and also DJ Fat Tony. I quite like their outlook on life, basically. That's inspired me. He's great mates with Claire Sweeney, who we have just interviewed, actually. 
And you see them a lot. Who? Just D- DJ Fat Tony and Claire he- Sweeney seem to be great uh, mates. But he's great. I mean, he's an example of someone who I think, you know, he's had a bad past in terms of he's spoken out about his addictions and he's turned it around. And I love chatting to him because, you know, he was so open and honest about his own addictions, his own mental health battles. And then you look at him and, you know, he's amazing. And he just wants to help people now that are suffering from the same addiction he had. So I think stories like that that come full circle, Mm. I love. Mm. Well, I can ask a question. Who would be your dream interviewee? Yeah, good one. Okay, I'll tell you who. And this is only because my children would absolutely love me. It would be the Spurs team. So it's very, very difficult to interview footballers. I mean, last week the interview came about because it was a hook to McDonald's. So, you know, it comes through McDonald's. It was all about how um, Virgil, the foot player, was helping um, McDonald's with free football sessions and free books. So to interview the Spurs players would probably be impossible. I've done it once. Years ago. Um, I can't remember what it was for. So I think it would be to interview the Spurs players, mainly because that would be, you know, my kids would just think I'm the coolest mum forever. So do they think you're cool now? I bet they do. Yeah, I mean, my big two, I think, you know, I think it's... I've always worked and I've always, you know, juggled the kids with work and I think that's mainly who I am. I think, you know, I'm not one of those people that... I don't know. I don't love going shopping. I, you know, I love meeting friends for lunch and stuff, but I just think I've always just enjoyed writing and it's made me a better mum. And I think they like the fact I work. Firstly, they benefit from it. Secondly, as a beauty editor as well on the side, I get, you know, so many products, which is lovely. So they get to share them with their girlfriends. Um, (laughs) And over the years before they grew too old to allow me to take photos of them. They came to loads of things. You know, I used to do travel journalism, would do family holidays, um, movie openings. It's that's the thing. When I say when I say the money's bad, the upsides are amazing. Mm. Mm. Well what story do you think has affected you the most then? I think the ones you touched on actually have really affected me. I mean, I had to hold my tears back and, you know, be really hardcore when I was doing the Ukraine, the the coverage of Ukraine. You know, interviewing people hiding in the metro, you know, the sound of bombs. I interviewed a mother who'd just given birth and was separated from her baby, um, you know, in different hospitals. And I could see the explosions as we were chatting. That really affected me. I mean, I couldn't sleep. I I actually couldn't believe what I'd done in terms of getting through to them. Rachel Bully, obviously, I think I actually became a bit psychotic during that because I was even looking over my shoulder when I was walking my dogs. It really affected me. Yeah, I mean, even covering terrorist attacks when I was at the Jewish Chronicle, you know, speaking to people that were in the heart of the tube bombings, you know, I get an adrenaline rush. I think that's why hard news and breaking news is so exciting. You kind of go with the flow. You know, you've got to get the story. You've got to get the people's voices. Um, And then it's only afterwards you sit back and, you know, you well, I do. I just think, you know, I count myself lucky, you know, that these people are going through so much hardship. And, you know, I've managed to tell their story, but in horrific times. I think you're a sensational journalist. I love the way that you write. And I also love that you've taken sort of this opportunity as you're now 50 to somewhat reinvent yourself as a journalist and uh, 
reviewer and 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 just like rebalance what you're doing I th- it's not uncommon is it that we look at our lives yeah. when we come to a certain point and just think is it all in balance is this what I want to do do I want to you know reach well, out I'll tell you I'll tell you what it was actually it just made me realize the catalyst for this was my son who's 22 started his first job postgraduate job in in a ba- in a bank as it happens so of course he's going to get paid as well but it was when he got his first paycheck and I realised, you know what, you probably earned more in that paycheck than I've earned in 25 years as a journalist. And I suddenly thought I've never been in it for the money. But what happens with journalists is a lot of people go down copywriting route, which is great, and you get paid well. But I thought if they're, you know, I'm often always asked to represent brands and I've never really had the time. And as a journalist, we do separate ourselves from influencers because, you know, we're both, it's very different journalism and, and uh, journalists and influencers are very different. You know, when we get taken on press trips together, which I've been on a lot of, it's very, you know, we go down different routes. We, you know, they get the content, which is amazing. We're actually there to tell the story. So I never thought of myself as an influencer. But when the brand started coming to me, and also my husband does a lot of legal work for so many brands I thought you know why not it's a nice way it's a nice way of making money and and so yeah I'm doing a lot of brands work which is lovely brand partnerships and I think the other thing is I'm coming from a place where I have a following of people that trust me I have a following of people that you know know I'm totally honest and integral so if I am going to promote a product it's all just honest stuff yeah, you believe in it. So that's where I've kind of got to. Mm. So how do people find you if they want to read more about your stories and the articles that you write and find you on social media? Well, don't look in certain media because I'm not writing for them anymore. <laughs> I mean, I don't know why. I'm very lucky. I have bylines most days, which is great. Um, I have beauty columns. I think, I mean, I am on Twitter, but again, I, I find it a bit of a cesspit. I like Instagram because... I have a lovely following. I get no trolling. Um, and I think I've built up a good relationship with my followers there. Yeah. And if you Google my name, you know, every story comes up. So, for example, yeah, my bylines come up every day. So I think it's just a matter of maybe Googling me. Yeah. So- Hopefully there'll be no dirt on me. <laughs> we didn't find any in research. Yeah. We did look. No. <laughs> no, no, no I don't like think that. so. Apart from the story of where I got sent a pair of oh. a pants and then it went viral that story and then I got called Mrs. Shitface and Mrs. Smelly Bum and oh, stuff. But... I wanted to bring that up actually I completely forgot that was a story that ran and ran just just to explain that... a little bit more about how that happened because that was ridiculous. Well I think it must have been a very very quiet news day that that day that week I think I just happened to say I got a my son, my tw- the son I spoke about got a pair of ASOS shorts and I smelt the packaging and it smelt of poo. And then he opened it up and screamed, mum, 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 there's poo stains in these shorts. So there's a massive poo stain and <laughs> so it's stank cool. of poo. And I actually thought, what the hell? So I happened to men- me- me- post it on my Instagram. The story got picked up, went viral. The New York Post ran it. You know, I was all over the place, which kind of blew my mind because I was not expecting that. Yeah, and never, I've never used ASOS again. Isn't it funny how a story that you were not expecting to cover completely just went mad and well, crazy you know viral. what? I think, I think the fact the New York Post picked it up was quite bizarre. 
I think that when you get places like Lab Bible and, you know, the football, I mean, places like Lab Bible have massive readers. So the minute it went into Lab Bible, yeah. the minute it went into Mail Online, it just kind of got picked up and picked up and picked up. And yeah, and as you say, the poo story ran and ran and ran and ran. <laughs> oh, so to speak. <laughs> so that's the only time I've been trolled. And I wouldn't even call that trailing no. when I got things like, Oh, look at Mrs. Pooh face and all of that, whatever. It was all very funny. <laughs> oh, it's been lovely sharing a cup of tea with you. Um, thank thank you. you. Thanks so much for joining us. It's always lovely to talk to you. Thank you for having me. Suzanne is also on our Empty Nest episode talking about drink spiking, aren't you? From back in... Oh, yes, yeah. of course. Yeah, it's always Well, that was another to. thing. I think, yeah, that was another thing. Gosh, you made me forget about that. So, actually, one last thing, when, talking about that, when you asked me what the hardest story was to cover, I actually think a lot of it was COVID. Look, the, sharing the COVID stories, um, that, that you've just reminded me was, was really, I think the, the stories that hit me the hardest were the COVID stories and the cancer sufferers and the people that couldn't get their cancer treatment mm. during COVID. Mm. That is heartbreaking, absolutely heartbreaking. We'll keep yeah. doing what you do. And thank you thank so much, you. Suzanne, for joining us. Thank you. Thank you for having me, guys. Lots of love. Bye. That was a really different interview, wasn't it? It was. Yeah, very different. And I liked it. Yeah, I'm going to do 60 at 60. What a brilliant idea. Why <laughs> not? Hashtag that. Can you, what, what would be on your list for, because it's not far away, you need to start planning soon. Learn to surf. Great one. I'm not joking. I've, I was clearing out a bit and I found my old wetsuit. I've done myself a wetsuit. <laughs> wetsuit, which I'm not sure if I could get into, but it may look, maybe look good. I reckon you'd uh, get in now, Liz. Yeah, so, I reckon so that, you yeah. would. So, um, yeah, I do, because I, I have tried surfing a long time ago and I didn't really like it, but it's always been one of the things I would like to do. Probably. Oh, that would be amazing. I think my knees would. Is would there anywhere up. in the world that you want to see in the next I thought you decade? I say surf somewhere warm, <laughs> not oh, yeah. Cornwall. I think Vietnam. Mm. in Cambodia it's been on my list for ages and we've been talking about it my husband and I what's that my husband and I Paul Paul and I have been talking my about husband it and my I husband and I have been talking about going we to yes, we have, yes. never been to Scandinavia Oh. Which is quite odd, isn't it? But because uh, I've been Scandinavia is odd. No, no, no. But no, you know, no. I've been to lots of places so over the world, but I've never home. done any events there when, when yeah. I was working, and I've never travelled there because it's a bit dark in the evenings in the winter. Well, it is. You've got to choose your time. Yeah. I went to Stockholm earlier in the year, and I loved it. The food is mm. phenomenal. Mm. Just a bit dark in the winter. Yeah, but I mean, but remember, Fika—they've got it right. They've got really good life-work balance, and they take that time, um, especially when it's dark, and they have coffee and cake with their their friends and family every day. I, I, I love yeah. that attitude. So we're now at our 50th episode, which is obviously very exciting. Looking back, have, is, are there any like standouts for you that, that we did? I think it's always going to be some that are, that are more interesting because it depends on the type of you know person we're interviewing. I've, but I've really enjoyed all of them. I've learned yeah. from everything. And then you know, doing the resources and the blogs afterwards has made me sort of research a lot more, you know, me going down my rabbit hole. But I did enjoy chatting to Jasmine Bertles. Yeah. You know, sort of you know, cash down the back of the sofa because it, it, it really opened my eyes to what's out there and how you can make some money, save a bit of money. And I told my kids and they've, they've actually followed some of those um, action. They've actioned it. Is that the word? They've actioned, actioned it. it. Yeah. That's cool. What about you? Honestly, I really, some of the ones that I didn't expect to enjoy as much turned out to be, to be really great. Um, who did, 
Anthea. She's, oh, she's lovely. That's love her. Yeah. She's just really, really nice yeah. to, to have on. Um, uh, Judy Dench. Mm, oh. Did I just drop oh, that? In. Oh, oh. Sorry. sorry, Judy who? Uh, should I pick that name off up yeah. the floor? Because we always had two Judys, but Judy Murray as well. Yeah, Judy Murray. Like, for me, tennis fan, yeah. that was really cool. Tell you what I found one of the most interesting and, and perhaps one of the ones that we got such a lot of feedback on too. Actually, two. Can I pick two? Midlife Burnout with Marianne yeah. Jones. Um, because we really did get people... You came across people, we had people writing in saying, my goodness me, I took my husband to the doctor. He was signed off work for a month. They, you know, his symptoms were exactly aligned. I would say my husband was mm. one of those people too. Oh my God. <laughs> now I'm going to pick three now. So... I loved having Tony Hargis on talking about sexism. And I know you weren't even, you were thinking, oh, I don't know how I feel about this. Wasn't that a good one? It was. Good. As I said, I thought it was going to be man bashing and it wasn't. It was really fair, really interesting and spot on. And great advice for, you know, younger women in the workplace yeah. to just have some muscle memory on some good words. But it's also I learned a few, you know, good put downs. We put it into practice too in different, um, different occasions. Arenas, as we say. Yes, yes we did. But what I'll also say about our guests is they've been so nice and so mm. tolerant sometimes well we've had some mishaps that's what i was trying to say we've had some mishaps for sure because we we don't know this stuff we've forgotten to record occasionally we were never trained as podcast people we're just learning as podcast we go people, i like that podcast people so, but that's the thing so i think people are really it makes you realize it's no matter who they are where they come from how mm. famous they are they are are all so understanding and, and mm. a, a, that that was i genuinely didn't expect that do you remember how how nervous we were right at the beginning when we first um interviewed jenny seagrave and, we were, and that was one of our mishaps and we, three oh, three times we had to record her and she was just delightful she every was. time in fact i think the podcast was better for it because it gave us a time um it gave us an opportunity to hone our interviewing and, yeah, and chatting skills a only bit. ways up because <laughs> yes, that was bottom of the pile oh but yeah there's been so many and uh, uh, yeah i've and really enjoyed it do you know what not a diva amongst them not one no. no one is like oh no no you know we'll do it this way or here's my waiver or i want to That's i want what to I said. hear so, the whole podcast before it goes out not a one of them so lovely that's what that's i think it's, it's you know it makes me feel like you know the world is a good place sometimes. There's nice people out there. Oh, what am I trying to say? Not the world is a nice place, but, you know. Yeah. It, it restored my faith in human nature. Yeah, yeah. 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 Well, it's been a nice 50 episodes. Should we do some more? Oh, go on then. <laughs> All right, so we'll be back with another episode. We're back to weekly. And uh, we will be back next Tuesday with another episode. And if you haven't listened to any of the good stuff, any of those back episodes that we did way back they're still good go listen yeah. to them download yeah. them just download them yeah you can f still find them on apple spotify any of those things or asking alexa or siri or amazon music any of those platforms or you can always go to our website which is twowomenchatting.com and that's all from us chat soon thanks for listening to two women chatting with our special guests if you enjoyed this episode, it would mean the world to us if you left a rating and review. Even better, share with your friends. And please get in touch. We'd love to hear from you. There's a link on our Instagram bio and Facebook pages. 